Welcome. I'm glad you can make it. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to get going with tonight. God, I thank you so much. <clears throat> I thank you so much for bringing my friends here. God, I thank you for those uh, that tonight are tuning in online. I thank you for this church family. God, I thank you for calling me to be a part of it. I thank you for calling them to be a part of it. God, I thank you for welcome, welcoming us into your house. God, may you uh, move in this time. Lord, will you speak to us and through us? God, may you use your word to impact our hearts. God, thank you for um, what you will do. Thank you for what you have done. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so just to tell you what's happened to me over the last couple weeks, um, last day of 2020, New Year's Eve, I'm hanging out with my family, and I start to get a little bit achy. Yeah, not good. And I'm like, oh man, I don't feel that great. My head kind of starts to hurt. I'm like, whew, I go to home, I go, I go to bed Wednesday night, New Year's Eve, I go to bed at like 9.30. Yeah, celebrate the new year, baby. And uh, I was like, I don't feel that, that great. I woke up in the morning and I was like, hmm, my head hurts, uh, my body hurts, I think I have a fever. What could this be? Hmm. So I go get tested for the one and only Corona. Comes back positive. The guy says, yeah, last day of 2020, I catch Corona. Um, the guy says, uh, the guy says, here's the deal. There's a, there's a point to this. The guy says, here's the deal. Um, you need to go stay home. Your wife needs to stay home. Your kids need to stay home. You need to check out your symptoms and then you need to give medicine accordingly. Um, but don't leave and uh, just stay there for 10 days. Um, and if things get bad, the one place you can go is the hospital. And I was like, wow, that sounds really terrible. And so I go home and I tell my wife, hey, um, we've got to just live here and stay here for a while. And she's like, yeah, I know. Welcome to 2021 now. And I go into a room. I, I begin to live in my bedroom, um, fill up an air mattress so my wife can sleep in the living room and hopefully not get sick. Yeah, I know. It's real awesome. Uh, start the new year out. Um, take... Uh, care of my kids while I'm sick. And, and just what happened really quickly was instantly we went from being people who had a community to being people who could not interact with our community. We went from people who, who could easily go to my neighbors and my friends and whatever to people who began to get um, our friends would, would give us meals or drop things off just because they, they're awesome and they love us. And they would... Um, have to drop them off on the porch, they leave, we get a phone call like, hey, I left something on your porch. Didn't really get to see them. Didn't get, really get to talk to them. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't get groceries. Like, we had to stay home. Like, and what I instantly realized, this is the point I'm getting to, what I instantly realized was my need for other people. Is that I just simply could not survive in life on my own. Especially in this moment, like if my wife wasn't there, like I would be done. I don't even know how to use Instacart. Thank the Lord she does, right? Like we would be in so much trouble. 
if I didn't have friends checking up on me, if I didn't have people calling and seeing how I was doing, if I didn't know there was people that were loving and caring for me and and wanting me to be okay, if I didn't know there was people praying for me, like I would have been in a lot worse position because I realized that I need people. And whether you believe this or not, it's actually what we have in common. It's actually what we have in common. And what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, this week and then three more weeks, is the same we're calling house rules. I'm not talking about your home, but I'm talking about this house. I'm talking about this church family. I'm talking about this body where we have been welcomed into. I'm talking about the place that we get to call our church home. And we get to talk about, hey, what are the rules? What should the rules be for this place? See, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what I say up here. It really matters how you respond down there. It doesn't matter what kind of vision I cast for you, but really how you take it and what you make this place. When a new person comes in, they're going to feel one way or another about this place. And it's not necessarily going to be because anything I've done or any other leader has done, but really it's going to be the way and what you have done and the way you have acted. And so I just want to take a a, a time for a minute and and help you to realize, like, hey, what it means to be a part of this church home, to be a part of this body, to claim this as your house, as as God's house, you being children and knowing God and saying, hey, God, I'm going to take care of your house. I want to be in this place. When people come, I want them to feel at home in this place. See, the thing we have in common, the thing every person walking in here has in common is that we all need people to encourage us, is that you need encouragement, is that you need and we need accountability. We have in common that we all need to be loved and we need the opportunity to love others, that we need people to pray for us. That we need people to celebrate with us. That we need a place to worship and we need to worship together. Like there's something that happens in our soul when we come into a body of believers and we can worship together. And we can praise God together and we can hear other people's voices praying, praising God with us together. Like there's something that just happens deep inside that we need hope, that we need help, that we need purpose. I need you to hear this. Like I, I, I want, I need you to believe this, and I need you to understand. I want you to reflect in your own life your need for these things. Because if it's true for you, you need to know it's true for the person next to you, and it's true for the person behind you and in front of you. That we need to belong. That we need community. That we need people. We need people in our lives. But not just any people. We need people in our lives who are pushing us in the right direction. Most of the stories that I've shared with you that I'm going to get up and share with you in the future about friends and things I've done with my friends, it was because I surrounded myself with people because I needed people, but they weren't always people that were pushing me in the right direction. But we need people that are going to push us in the right direction. We need people that believe in us. We need people that pray for us. We need people that love us enough to say, hey, this is where you should go. We need accountability. We need encouragement. 
We need what the church is designed to be. That in your soul, the way you have been created, you've been created to need the things that the church is designed to give, to need the things that the body of Christ, when come together, is designed to encourage you in. You can't escape it. You could deny it, but you would be wrong. You need it. I need it. It's what the church was designed to be. There's a picture of this in Acts 2. It's Acts 2, verse 44 through 47, that all of these people came to know Jesus and they begin to make up the church. The reason they make up the church is because it's a bunch of people who trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then they come together and meet, and it makes the church. It says, this is the picture. Listen to this. It says, now all the believers, all the people who had come to know Jesus, were together, and they held all things in common. Now, you need to understand, obviously they didn't hold all things in common because no one holds all things in common. But what Scripture is referring to is they held the important things in common. That they were sinful, that God loved them, that Jesus died for them, and that they were forgiven much. Man, the things they had in common were the important things. Man, what we know is that we have been messed up, and we are messed up, yet God loves us deeply. We are very sinful, yet he has brought in forgiveness. That Jesus is the Savior, and he died for us. That's what they had in common. That's what united them. That's what brought them joy and what brought them hope. It says that they sold their possessions and property, and they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. <clears throat> they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Here's the picture. It's a bunch of different people from different backgrounds who had a bunch of different things going on who were all fighting for unity. All of them were committed to being unified in their pursuing Jesus. They were all fighting for unity. They were fighting to include people. They were fighting to love people. They were choosing this for their group. It was the church. And that's a picture of what the church is supposed to be. But you need to understand, that picture right here, it doesn't just happen. Man, like, just, just dream with me for a second. Man, how great would it be if you came in this place and you needed encouragement and someone noticed that and they gave you encouragement and you needed accountability and someone said, man, I want to be there for you, brother. Like, I want to encourage you. I want to keep you accountable, man. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call you. Like, how encouraging would it be to know that you're not alone in your struggle? Why? Because other people are sharing about the same struggle, saying, man, I deal with that too. I'm not making fun of you. I'm not discouraging you. No, rather, I'm going to share with you also. I deal with what you deal with. Let's walk it out together. And how refreshing would that be? 
If we could come to a place where we knew there was no judgment, where we knew there was no hierarchy of like who's popular, who's not popular, but rather it was just a group of people who said, man, we love Jesus. We recognize we are low man on the totem pole and Jesus has saved us and we love that. And we want to be together and we want other people to see that and know that. Man, how encouraging. Nothing to hide. Nothing to try to pretend to be. Just people who say, man, we got things in common. <laughs> but we didn't know Jesus and now we do. We are sinful and now we're saved. We want to love the way he loved. You need to understand though, beautiful picture, but it doesn't just happen. We don't just become the church. We don't just become the church, but we must fight for that. We must strive for unity. We must fight to be that kind of church. That there is a lot of selfishness, there's a lot of things going on, eyes right here, that there's a lot of stuff that goes through our minds. There's a lot of reasons for coming to church. There's a lot of things that cloud what Jesus is doing. But you need to understand, man, if you want to be a part of a bigger picture, if you want to be a part of something greater like this, man, we have to fight for that. In 1 Peter, Peter actually was the man who preached the sermon in Acts and then got to see all of these people come to Jesus and then got to see this church formed. So Peter is eyewitness to this. <clears throat> he saw it. He's kind of like their pastor. Wow, man, this is amazing. I saw it. And in 1 Peter, he's writing to a group of Christians who are being persecuted. And I believe <clears throat> that, that he's looking at these people and he's saying, hey, let me tell you about my experience of what it takes to be the church. Let me tell you about what I've seen and what I've learned about people growing to be unified together. That the way we fight to make this church like the Acts 2 church actually doesn't start with us trying to be really kind to everyone. It actually doesn't start with us trying to say like, okay guys, let's all get together and let's, let's just change the culture in this place. It actually starts with you individually, you alone, you regardless of what everyone else is doing. <clears throat> it starts like this in Acts, in 1 Peter 2 verses 1 through 5. He says, therefore, rid yourself, rid yourself of all malice, this is hatred, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander or insults, making fun of one another. Man, how easy is that? So easy just to dishonor someone behind their back, just to laugh at someone else's expense. He says, but instead, like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the world. <clears throat> I have fresh experience with this. I have a 10, 11 month old child at home. And in the middle of the night, that kid would get so hungry that he would literally not cry, not whine. He would scream. He would just yell. Literally just, God, God, like just over and over. And why? Because he craved the milk. He was hungry. He says, with that same stamina, with that same passion, with that same energy, would you crave the pure milk of God's word? So that by it, listen, 
that by it you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, in Acts, it says that they met together with joyful and sincere hearts. That it took them, that's what what motivated them, was joyful and sincere hearts. I want to be honest with you right now because a lot of times we get this messed up. You don't just create in you a joyful and sincere heart. It doesn't just happen where you're like, you know what, today I'm going to be joyful and sincere. It doesn't happen because your heart is sinful and it's deceitful. This isn't something that they created in themselves. But rather, I believe, and according to God's word, as we pursue Christ and crave the word like a newborn baby, that Jesus changes us. See, here's the thing about my son craving the milk. If he didn't get the milk, he dies. If he doesn't get the food, the milk, which is not only hydrating, but has nutrients, he dies. He says we are to crave God's word as if knowing our relationship with Jesus dies when we're not fed. You need to understand your relationship with Jesus is not based on what your works and what you do. It's based on his grace. But he says that's the passion. Knowing that your relationship with Jesus thrives and survives and grows and you walk confidently in it when you pursue it, when you intake it. And when we pursue Christ and we crave his word, when we intake it, our hearts and our souls are changed. That God's word and God's truth does something to us internally that it creates in you a joyful heart that's that's outside of circumstances. It creates in you a sincere heart that isn't out for your own glory or your own good. And he says, man, this is what we crave. In verse four, he says, so as you come to him, a living stone, listen to this, may be rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says, man, you as individual stones are being built up into a holy priesthood. Though you may be rejected by man, you have been chosen by God to be and do something monumental in this world. See, I think Peter is describing the people that he saw in Acts, the people who desired Jesus and who Jesus was drawing together. See, I think God desires, I believe what I read is that God desires the church to be a refuge, that he desires this place to be, a, to be a place for people to know him so much. Like God's desire for people to know him so much is that he's actually then gifted us as part of the body of Christ, gifted us to be used in his church, to be used in this place. You see it in Ephesians 
4, where Paul is talking about, he says, man, not only have you been called to this place, but also God has gifted you to use you in specific ways in this place. Listen to Ephesians 4. After this, we're closing right out. We're going to small groups. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, listen, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. That's you in here. That God himself has given some of you to be prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors. Some of you God is calling into ministry. God is calling you into a deeper involvement in this place. Some of you God is calling to join the worship band. Some of you, God is calling you to be student leaders. God is calling you in places. He's using you. He says, man, my desire is the church would be unified. Are there any that would say, yes, I have been called to that? And that's what you see. He says, so that the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we each reach, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. He says, then, it kind of goes with what Peter was saying, then we will no longer be little children. We will no longer be tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But listen, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. Our culture in this place would change if we just decided even that one thing. I want to speak the truth in love. He says, from him, the whole body, from Christ, the whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. That's you. You're the supporting ligaments that promotes the growth of the body, building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. He says, man, I've called you to be a part of a church community, of a Christian community, of a godly community. But not only that, I've gifted you to be useful in that community, that you would be a part of the body that he is knitting together. We're unified in him, but yet we are the ligaments that allow the body to be impactful to those who don't know him. Man, he is calling you as an important part. So that also means when you're not here, we are missing an important part. When you're not involved, maybe you're here, but you're checked out, we're missing an important part of the body. So in this house, to make this a house that people come to in this house to be someone who says, man, I want this place to be welcoming and loving. I want people to know Jesus in this place. For us to change that culture, there's two things I'm gonna give you and then we're closing. Two things is this, and they're gonna be quick. The first one, in this house, we must be hungry for God's word. We must be hungry for God's word. I don't know what you're hungry for. I don't know if it's for your own glory. I don't know if it's for, if it's for friends and popularity. I don't know if it's for a relationship. I don't know if it's just to be noticed. I don't know if it is to be invisible. I don't know what it is, but what you need to be hungry for, what's most satisfying for us, what's most purposeful and glorifying is when we become hungry for God's word. Would you commit to praying that? God, would you make me hungry for your word? God, would you give me a desire for your word? The second thing is this, that you've got to realize in this house, you play a part in this family. That in this house, I don't care what it looks like at home. I don't care if you feel invisible at home, you feel useless. I don't care. In this house, in this place, you play a part. You play an important part. 
And we are so thankful you are here. That your leaders, I get to talk to them, the church, the other youth staff, we get to talk to them, and we get to hear all about you all the time. That you think, I don't, you don't know me, you don't know if I know you because I know your leader and your leader raves about you. That you play an important part in this family. I hope you believe that. I hope you realize that over the next two weeks, and we're going to talk about, okay, what are the rules that we're setting for this place? What do we want people to know and experience when they're here? What do we want you to expect out of this? We're going to talk through that. I'm going to pray for us, but I want you to understand those two things. We've got to be hungry for God's word, and you play an important part in this family. God, we thank you. We love you. May you be with us in our conversation and in our small group time. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.